1: I bet you five great British pounds Ryan Mason is in charge of their first Premier League game.
0: When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Pierre. Welcome back to the Gareth Southgate Never Doubted In podcast with Alexander Moneypenny. Three
1: separate times podcast.
0: Yeah, and that joke is now stale, so (laughs) we're
1: here. (laughs) So we're going to keep rolling with the same joke of um, you're doing this podcast with a man who now has to make about 12 different retractions to all... 12 different players, Harry Maguire, Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling.
0: Yeah, you've got a lot of apologies to make. Yeah,
1: Granit Xhaka, Granit Xhaka, yeah, performed like fucking prime Perlo. He bossed Pogba and Kanté. Oh.
0: It the did, scenes
1: it, that a man that, that can kick the ball into Chris Wood can perform like that.
0: It 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 goes it does go to show what actually like Granit Xhaka, if you give him space,
1: uh, the right wind conditions, and then a full moon, and one on a one on one day every yeah. seven years, he'll perform. What um, is it? A broken quality. clock
0: is right twice a day. Twice a and day, I feel yeah. like you know, for Granite <laughs> Jacker, that game was his broken clock. I also want to say, in that game, I did actually we we've had a bit of a run on the podcast recently of saying that the England Scotland game would be good and complaining about no news, and then uh, the game was terrible, and La Conga uh, sort of came came out of the blue. And last podcast, I thought I jinxed it again by saying the Swiss uh, the Swiss game could be interesting. I thought the Swiss had something about them. I think France v. Switzerland could be interesting. Uh, I think the yes. Swiss have got
1: something about them. But actually, I came through, Brad. Yeah, you did. You did. I, re- I was re-listening to that um, for content for our TikTok. Pop over to our TikTok, just a little plug. Uh, releasing content there daily. Um, and I heard that and I went, oh, that is a... That is a mystic is money penny. A, That's what they call yeah.
0: me, mystic money penny. Welcome back to the Different Doc Podcast. We are recording the day after England's miraculous two uh, nil, well deserved. Yeah, yeah, and miraculous
1: two uh, nil win over <laughs> over Germany. How uh, we managed to do it with two defensive midfielders, I I don't know, and about four fallbacks.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I I think actually like. Jumping into it straight away, I think, I think it was the right decision to, to match them up because the 3-4-3 worked really well. I think we kind of mm. sacrificed a bit of control in the midfield that we probably weren't going to have it anyway.
1: <laughs> because we don't have a Cruz a or, a, or a Goretzka. Like you're talking about... And this is no offence to Declan Rice and, and Phillips, but like, and they're good. They're, I mean, they're okay standard Premier League footballers. You know, people are talking about Rice worth 100 million and going to United for that just boggles my brain because I think he's had I think it's either one it's either maybe one or two progressive carries in the whole tournament, which is yeah horrendous yeah um, I, I I think he'll end up as a centre back you know
0: I still I, I still think that. I see his I future a centre back yeah um, um, yeah
1: but Lord knows how we did it um I oh, I mean I know how we did it is we finally brought on Jack Grealish who was sensational. Yes. It's no surprise that this, the second he comes on the pitch, like we got a bit more control, a bit more creative and, and things opened up for us. Yeah. Why did you watch the game? Oh, so I've got a little funny anecdote about this actually. For some reason I seem to have like funny anecdotes about every fucking England game. So my partner's not into football at all. Um, and we're moving uh, to North London right. in a couple of weeks. And um, she booked a viewing For 5.30. Oh, no. (laughs) So, we we got into this pub in in Angel, in Islington, right? And watched the first 30 minutes. And then I got BBC iPlayer up (laughs) and watched (laughs) BBC iPlayer, watched the game on BBC iPlayer while we viewed this flat. And when I tell you (laughs) this is uh, the quickest flat viewing, i possibly could have ever done and i I also used to do some work for an estate agent so i know when they're talking absolute wham so i just did not allow that conversation i was just like yeah sure fine whatever yep 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 cool 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 and just continued watching the game while we buzzed around this flat and then we went straight back to the pub and watched the rest of the game i think we must have missed about eight minutes yeah as in like but i was still watching it on my phone which was yeah
0: was the house nice good flat uh, it was really nice, just too small. Okay, there you go. Brad's review. Um, yeah, listen, I'm I'm feeling really good. Obviously, I don't want to make this massively England-based, but we are Where did both... you,
1: Wait, wait, wait. Where did you watch the game? Did you watch it at home? Uh,
0: yeah, just at home with some friends. Just, uh, oh, know. nice. nice yeah, it was nice, cute. Nice. Had a couple of beers. Um, yeah, no, it was... I, I'm Obviously, you know, we are two Englishmen, so we will talk about the English, uh, English side of things before we get into the Euros more widely. I thought it was a really competent performance i thought you know defensively maguire walker stones uh trippier and and shaw fa- were fantastic and, and were so solid and you know sacrificing a bit of that you know, i was reading uh, there was a piece in the athletic by michael cox beforehand or basically how to how to stop germany um and it was you know a couple of options that southgate could have used they talked about the game where uh, Germany played Portugal and it basically scored four of the same goals. And they used uh, Kemic uh, sort of basically to overload that right-hand side, switch out to the left. Gersens came, comes in and Havertz is there to tap it in or Muller, whoever it is. And, you know, as, as I say, sacrificing a bit of that solidity in the middle uh, while keeping, you know... Rice and Phillips, who I think are, are competent and decent players, but are never going to match up to the likes of Goretzka no, 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 or, or Cruz, no. right? But they're never going to. We don't have that Rolls Royce, Stephen Gerrard, Frank Lampard midfielder at the moment. Um, so, you know, and someone like Bellingham could be, but he's not there yet. So I, I think it was really smart from Gareth. He knew his strengths. Um, I, I do want to say uh, Harry Kane dropped one of the worst center forward performances I've ever seen. And don't, do not let a goal convince you. The revisionism no, absolutely not.
1: Yeah, the revisionism is is unbelievable. But um, I think I think it was still Berto on um, on Twitter that said it well. That you know, if if a if a forward isn't running the channels properly, isn't getting themselves in the right places and is spurning a lot of opportunities, then that's their issue. But if they're not getting a lot of touches, that can also be a team issue. And I think in this case, it's kind of both. We weren't really creative. We set up to counter-attack, but then played a guy through the middle who can't run and has cheese for ankles, so also can't hold up the ball sometimes particularly well. So he was redundant in, in this game, and whether that's... You know, Harry's fault or just the profile of player, you know, not every game is going to suit Harry Kane, no matter how world class a striker he is. Um, This is an Arsenal podcast, so it it was his fault. (laughs) But he also he also was just making the same mistakes that he's made throughout the entire group stage. And that's treat this treat England like Tottenham. And drop into fucking DM to pick up the ball. And it is no surprise that when he stayed where he is good, in the six-yard box, in the 18-yard box, he he was dangerous. You know, Mm. connected well for the first goal, passing it off to Grealish, who got it out to Shaw. And then in the right place, in the right time, with a fantastic header to score the second. Mm. You know, he just... I think the issue, and I think this is one of the issues with having Gareth Southgate as manager is Harry Kane, unfortunately, and I get this just from his attitude and the way that he is sometimes. I think, you know, when people call Harry Kane a model professional, I go, he's not exactly a model professional. He was giving fucking interviews with Gary Neville saying he basically wanted to leave Spurs and would be available for 100 million quid. You know, that's not model professional work. Um, I think he thinks he's bigger than it. I think he does. I think he, and he needs somebody to put him in his place, which is why I think he got on well with Jose. Jose put him in his place and said, this is what you're going to do for me. And that's probably why he was great under Jose. And I think that's what we need Southgate to do, to fucking take Harry Kane down a peg and to just say, "If just either you stick in the 18 or the six-yard box or just off the edge of it, or I'm going to sub you out at 50 minutes because I need somebody to do what's going to win us the game. Mm. And hopefully we see more of that moving forward and more of him in and around those areas because, you know, he is deadly around there, but... Just a horrific performance
0: at so many points. It was, I mean, you know, uh, no no hold up, no running the channels. No, I mean, I mean, he was dropping deep, but then he'd lose the ball. Yeah, it was, it was, it was
1: really, And dropping deep to, to, to find who? No one, like he he was finding no one. It was, it was dropping deep to then pass it to Declan Rice, who then would pass it to the centre-backs. And then he's got to trudge his way back up. And then if we've made any progression forward, he's not even there to be on the receiving end of it half the time. Yeah, In
0: fairness, I I also don't think he's the right striker for this system, but the problem is, is he... Like, especially when you don't have a kind of a connector in that sort of centre, especially in a game against Germany where we basically... We sacrifice someone in the midfield, probably someone like a mountain might have played, for an extra fullback or an extra... Whichever way you want to look at it, an extra defender, right? But Mm. the the issue is is the only person who basically takes up those central pockets and the kind of zone 14 area is sterling right but sterling's not going to be playing those threaded through passes sterling's not going to be sort of whipping those balls in he's going to be looking for you know one twos he's going to be looking for mm-hmm. for connectivity which again i don't think kane offers so uh, or certainly not not in the not in the form he's in at the moment so yeah it, w- it was a tricky one but ultimately I'm obviously absolutely buzzing. And now the route to the final for England. The route to the final looks...
1: Well, it's either... Well, we've got to play Ukraine and then it's either the Danes or the Czechs. Um, Yes. Czechs we've already beaten. I think it'll end up being Denmark. Who I Um, wouldn't underestimate.
0: I really wouldn't underestimate.
1: No, they'll really give us a game in the semis if we if we get there because obviously we can't. I don't think we should underestimate Ukraine. I don't think we should underestimate anyone. You know, as we've seen, we've lost Portugal, France, Germany, and the Netherlands in the round of sixteen. You know, and to not ridiculous teams either. You know, Portugal, Belgium. I mean, you could coin flip that. It could have, as in, to go for quality, could go either way. Um, the Netherlands going out is a big shock, I think, to a lot of people. France as well against the Swiss. Like, we've lost four of the biggest teams. One team in France who, you know, we've said, nice I still stick by, they're the only team that could outdo England for quality. Yep. Yep. Um. So the route to the final is, is big. I think it just depends who we play in the final. I don't know who I prefer out of it being kind of Italy or... Belgium on the other side or even Spain if Spain get there I think they've they've not been particularly good this tournament and with Morata up front you know I mean you never know It's <laughs> it's clean sheet record will be is either going to be in tatters
0: or absolutely safe you know that clip of Rio Ferdinand talking about Messi and Ronaldo where he's saying like oh you know you know they they're both great players let's not compare them i saw that video put up against the video of Werner and Morata it killed me um <laughs> The, by the way sort of more more widely some amazing games I mean Croatia against Spain were a oh fantastic game uh, France was what a day that was the Monday <laughs> um, and Belgium Portugal I found really sort of fascinating uh, sort of tactically speaking it's been an mm. amazing tournament and I think more widely speaking for kind of international football there's some interesting sort of narratives mm. Belgium I think uh, in terms of their generation this feels it's the like the
1: end of the cycle.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, listen, they've got obviously world beating Albert Sambi de Conga, who we'll come on to later. But th- there will be, you know, the likes of Eden Hazard and mm-hmm. De Bruyne, who I think are injured for the next round. Uh, Lukaku. Both, yeah. Both uh, round. Mertens, Courtois, obviously their, their defence is kind of ageing out. So I think it's a, it's sort of their last opportunity, I, th- I think, in, in, in a year or so. It's their the last opportunity
1: with this completer squad. Lukaku yeah. will be at the next tournament. Of course. Um, I think, you know, Courtois will probably be at the next tournament. Mm. There will be certain players that are, but yeah. defence-wise, I'm not hearing any shouts of any unbelievable Belgian centre-backs kind of in the twenty six to twenty eight profile so and you can tell that by the fact they're still fucking playing thomas Vermaelen. but he was great he was really no, good <laughs> i know he was great but the fact that he's like 34 35 years old and still being played alongside alder vireld and uh, is it is it still as yes, well. yes
0: it's Verton, Older vireld
1: and like Vermarlin. You're, you're talking about three players who are 34 like th- they're gone now and then we're not, there aren't, I I don't, th- I can't think off the top of my head of any particularly like well-beating centre-backs for them. Then when they, you know, Du Bojne will be another two years older. He's already 29, I think. So he'll be like 31, starting to age out. Yeah, you know, this is the end of the side because what you need and what they've got is almost the perfect recipe. They've got some good forward talent who are in that kind of 26 to 28 age profile, good midfielders who are in kind of everywhere between like 24, 25 up to kind of near 30 and then a solid defense. But then this is the end of that cycle because parts Mm. are going to go yeah. and it will be decades. It's like, you know, we've not really had a good squad probably since 2004, I'd say. 2004-2006, 2004, so, certainly not 2004 good, 2006 though. no 2004 2006 you know you're talking about that kind of squad and then then and then exactly what happened to england is going to happen to belgium pieces fell away people retired and then you're left with you know you've got world class talent up front but not good central defenders like this is kind of france's and england's and uh, you know maybe even italy's time coming to kind of the foray. Yeah, and, it's just whether yeah. we can take advantage of it. That's the the real question.
0: Well, that's what I think is exciting because I think there's, I think as well as England, you know, I think firstly we've we've got the play style for an international tournament really right. Mm. Um, weirdly, I had to a degree
1: it. to a degree. Well, we, we've got the. I think we, there's a better coached version of it, but the play style is the right play style. It's f- like, for example, parking the bus might be the right play style, but if you're having it done by. Jose Mourinho in his pomp versus um Nuno Espirito Santo, like there's there's gonna be a difference into quality of how it's done. Sure. And I think we could have a better quality of how it's done, but we're doing the right thing, if yeah, that makes sense.
0: Sure. I i weirdly I had a an aerial engineer round to my house earlier who charged me seventy two pounds to tell me I was putting the wrong cables in the wrong thing. Um and uh he Pretty good Yeah. <laughs> good vibes uh and he turned to me you know that sort of like classic <gasps> oh. like two men who basically have nothing to say to each other he just went uh do you like the game then and i was like yeah it was good we start talking about it and actually had some really interesting thoughts but we were discussing kind of the, the 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 style in tournament football and i do think and it's such it's such a simplistic point to make and it's kind of made a lot by your jermaine Geniuses and your danny murphys if you don't concede You've got a really good chance. And I think England's kind of, I appreciate, you know, we have so much attacking talent. We have so mm. much attacking verve. And I would I would absolutely love to see, you know, that, that come out in a, as you say, a better coach, you know, defensive solidity and a kind of a more um, fluid attacking unit. But I think in international football and especially looking at certain teams that we're playing against, I think we're getting it right in terms of our balance. And what's exciting mm. is uh, overall, kind of looking at the international picture, we're looking at France who, you know, there's going to be some question marks over Didier Deschamps for the next World Cup. We, d- we don't know. There's, there's certainly question marks. Spain don't have the most talented squad at the moment. Um, they're sort of going through a bit and of generational And then after two dip. years, yeah, Ramos will have definitely retired. He, he definitely know. won't be there. Uh, the Italians, I still think we've got a better squad than them. But also
1: what's exciting is... And a- the and aged Ita- Sorry to cut you off, again, Is the same issue. The next tournament, certain Italians will age out. You know, it's looking like a good landscape. Yeah, I, I what, but you know, and the Germans, you know, there's a there's a certain level of
0: you know Mueller and Hommels and stuff. There's there's a there's a new cycle coming, and I think England could really take advantage of that and going going far at this Euros, especially for a young, a really really young side. I mean, think think about it, the likes of Mason Mount, Phil Foden, Bukayo Saka, Jude Bellingham, even the likes of John Stones. It's only twenty six or whatever. You know, it's it's such good experience, um, and it makes me really excited for kind of England's sort of next two and a half tournaments because I think it it, it could really it could really hit for us I remember the FA setting um, targets for Qatar 2022 is their kind of where they wanted to go um, when when they really heavily invested in youth sort of about 10-15 years ago Um, so yeah it's uh, seems to be paying off yeah Yeah,
1: Southgate I think Southgate's doing an acceptable job We, I don't, I don't think we should get, and like you say, get carried away with the manner that we're winning these games. You know, we're not blitzing teams. We're not playing them off the park. We're taking our chances when we get them, but we are rarely creating them. And let's not forget this German team. Whilst I don't want to dilute kind of the special nature because this is a generational game. I was trying to, I was, like I said earlier, my partner is not into football at all. And I tried to explain this to her as like, this game, my dad still talks about, I think, is it Euro 90? 96. Was it Euro 90 or Euro 96? With, where? Southgate penalty. Yeah, sorry, Euro 96, right? Or Italy is it Italia 90 as well? There's another one. There was Italia
0: 90 where we played them as well, I think, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And my dad still talks about Italia 90 and Euro 96. um, Talks about that penalty miss. Like when it comes to England and holds such memory for him. And this game will be the same for our generation. And I tried to like, like explain like that. My dad is 56 years old and still talks about a game from 30 years ago. And then from 25 years ago, as if it happened yesterday and can tell me every second. And it is that kind of idea that this is a generational moment for those players and for us as fans of the game. And, you know, I obviously want to cap it off with with the tournament. Absolutely. But I, I do think it's important, again, not to be revisionist. And remember, this is a Germany team who got knocked out of the World Cup super early. They've really not been playing well since they've kind of Scapegoated Meza Ozil, the sun has not seemed to shine on kind of Joachim Love and and the team. So I think it's a good result, but it's not the result a lot of people are making it out to be. Like, it's a good result, but it's not like we've beaten France. Luckily, we don't have to, but... (laughs) Yeah, you know, I know what I um, mean. It's, we have it's, to be realistic about what we've actually achieved so far. And like, it's, I was I was in this pub watching and there was a French guy behind me with his missus who's American, who both love football. And we were talking to them and like, it was, it was really great. And he had great banter. He started taking the piss out of himself about the Swiss and us about it. And it was great. And then one thing after the game went off, like he made a joke, we're like, well, you've not actually won anything, have you? I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, We've beaten a half-decent Germany team who have been in piss-poor form here and there. And it's we're only in the quarterfinals, so we can't get ahead of ourselves. We have yeah. to keep going and we have to be realistic about there are things that need changing. Grealish needs to start every game from now on because it is, is no surprise as soon as he came on the pitch, we're more dangerous. He is the most important player in that team, other than Sterling, because he's the only one that scored.
0: Yeah, no, well said, mate. And I, yeah, I think it is about it's about tempering those sorts of things, but also, you know, looking, enjoying you know, enjoying it. Yeah, in 20 years' time, it does, we won't be thinking about, oh, does Southgate need to tinker that? Who's better in the half spaces? Blah, 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 blah. We'll just be going, we beat Germany 2 0. So it's a good feeling, but I agree. There's right now, we need to kind of stay focused, I'm saying that as if we're literally playing against Ukraine. We're not. Um, before we get into Arsenal, Brad. Uh, There's been a bit of news uh, sort of uh, more widely in the Premier League in terms of the manager searches. Spurs
1: have still, still not not
0: appointed a head coach.
1: (laughs) All right, mate, I bet you five great British pounds Ryan Mason is in charge of their first Premier League game. Really? Yeah, I, I I can see it. I bet you five great British pounds...
0: Okay, you're on. Didn't we say? Didn't we say if we get Grealish, we'll get a KSC tattoo? Yeah, but he's
1: going to City, so that's still yeah, that's
0: not happening. Um, but other other uh, Premier League clubs have been appointed managers. Uh, Rafa Grealish yes. has come in for Everton. It looks like Patrick Vieira is off to Palace, and in fairness, I suppose it does look like uh, Nuno process Santo is um, heading to Spurs. What do you make of those? Uh, let's go Vieira first.
1: Vieira, I think, is is a fine appointment uh, for Crystal Palace and who they are. You know, they're a team that's lucky to have not been relegated and they've kind of been staving that off for a while. So to take a, a, a gamble on a guy who's, I think he was at Nice, his Nice side wasn't particularly impressive. They were very nice. were okay in kind of spits and spats. <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> they were okay in kind of spits and spats. Um, and I think it's... It's a risk, but one that could turn out well. And one thing that it will do is it will, it will garner the opportunity for, for loans from Arsenal. You know, Patrick is going to have a great relationship with the club. And there is opportunity for us to send people over there and, you know, him to sell us half for like two and a half million quid. Um, oh, has he literally just been announced? Literally. As I just clowned Spurs. Chris. And literally, as I just bet you, five pounds, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll buy you a pint next time I see you. I'll that, buy you a pint next time I see that you. That age, very poorly. That timing. That <laughs> fucking timing. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but I think I think the, the, the Vieira move to uh, Palace is, is a decent one yeah. because they've got nothing to lose, have they? And yeah. if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, I, I can't really see them getting relegated anyway because I think that there's much worse teams like fucking Newcastle with Steve Bruce in charge. Yeah, I think um, I always think with Palace, it must be a really
0: hard thing to be a fan of a club like that because they appear to be content with just staying in the league. So you're basically yeah, just watching, just watching yourselves be happy becoming be between basi- basi- basically coming between eleventh, eleventh and sixteenth, or whatever it is, and, yeah. and that's sort of your your career. So I think. With Palace, like calculated risks, like appointing mm. a coach who could probably get you, maybe who knows, you know, probably what would be peak Vieira might be like what, like getting the Europa League or getting a, a conference league spot or something like that would be maybe. would be a really really maybe. good achievement. But but ultimately, you have to try something, and they can keep appointing managers like the likes of Hodgson. But I think for Palace, it's a it's a calculated risk. He's had some experience. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's not. Um, He's he obviously Premier League experienced as a player doesn't mean much as a manager, but but certainly knows the league and knows knows a lot of the people in it. So um, yeah, I, I, it's it's a it's a good it's a good appointment. Um, Nuno, mm. uh, I think his star has massively kind of fallen off. I think it's a bit of a panic. Appointment from Spurs. It is, it's,
1: it's a, it is entirely a panic. And I think the man was off to Crystal Palace. Yeah, like that was his level. The man was off to Crystal Palace two weeks ago. Yeah, I can't
0: believe his luck. But I think you know, it's it's seeing those those like elevens of like you know the managers that Spurs have gone for, and like Nuno and goal and stuff. And the thing is, if you're getting to like this, is I, I, I was I literally don't give a fuck about Spurs. I would obviously much prefer that Levy stayed in charge forever. They get relegated. They liquidate the club. Harry Kane can never play football again. That obviously, that's the dream, right? But yeah, if I'm a Spurs fan, I would be fucking fuming at Levy. Fuming. Yeah. How yeah. poorly he's handled this. The thing is, and it's again, it, it's it's a kind of. I'm getting angry on Spurs' behalf, but it's again, it's a complete lack of control of the narrative. There's certain things you can't control that journalists will get involved in. But when there's eleven, twelve, thirteen, but candidates, I don't think it's. I really hang on, hang on, don't hang on, think on, it's. It's an, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. When there's eleven, twelve, or thirteen candidates, we're so that passionate you, about Spurs. All right, <laughs> yeah, that you, <laughs> you've not like that you've, that you basically you've, you've gone for and, you know, you can, people can clown you for and stuff. And obviously it doesn't really matter. what you get clowned for, but Nuno comes in and knows he is what the 11th or 12th choice. How, you know, how confident is he going to feel walking into that, that Spurs dressing room with the likes of hurricane, with the likes of son and convincing them. And not only Nuno convincing them, but Kane being convinced of Nuno going like, well, mm-hmm, to is this the guy yeah, 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 who
1: yeah. I want who was tanking with wolves? But to jump in, there's a, there's a few things there. I, th- I don't think it's, I think it's less about controlling the narrative and more about how poorly it's been handled because they've created the narrative in the sense that they keep fucking up with candidates, you know, to get to your 11th candidate for a role in the big six when realistically Leicester should be in the big six over Tottenham is embarrassing. You know, it really, really is. And what it will do is it will stunt their transfer work and it will stunt all of the things they need to do. The big issue also has to come if this has been a problem since they sacked Mourinho. One of the big reasons that was rumoured that they sacked Mourinho, what, six days before final, is because when Conte was sacked by Chelsea after winning the Premier League, he sued them for a wrongful termination and he took the case to court and said, I did my job. I won them the Premier League and they sacked me and he won and he got an extra payout because of it. And the rumor was that Levy looked at it and went, even if like if Jose, if Jose wins this, we're going to want to sack him anyway because of how poor this has been. And then he might be able to sue us for more. So we'll pull the trigger before we'll save ourselves some money. And that is the entire, that is the epitome of Tottenham Football Club. They care more about the balance sheet than they do about their fans and the enjoyment of that. And if I was an Arsenal, if this was Arsenal and we'd we'd done that and then got to our 11th candidate, I'd be fucking livid. But on this whole getting to the 11th candidate thing, the new Celtic manager, I don't know a lot about him or his tactics or his style, his name's Ange Postacoglu. Mm. In his first press conference, he said about, um, because he wasn't first choice and it's obviously widely reported, and somebody asked him and he said, Well, it doesn't matter whether I'm first choice or whether I'm second choice. It matters kind of more that I believe in myself and believe that I can do the job as well as the first choice or whoever. And I think that's the attitude that Nuno has to have. He's absolutely not going to be able to fucking believe his luck that he's gone from pretty much agreeing to be Crystal Palace manager to now being Tottenham manager. And if I'm if I if I was a Spurs fan, I would be pff, livid, livid tonight because that's regre- that that is the purest sign of regression. You've gone from Pochettino to a haggard Mourinho to now Nuno. This is like he's like Harry Redknapp or like what well, was like bloody Sherwood again for them. Like this is embarrassing that you've had to poach a manager that was going to Crystal Palace because you couldn't get any other manager to come to you. And Brad, and I like- absolutely love to see it yeah,
0: love I to see love it. it I fucking love
1: it I fucking love it like it's it's sensational scenes of glorious emotion that I suppose couldn't even get a manager like they just couldn't get a manager so they had to nick Crystal Palaces
0: incredible incredible stuff uh, uh, finally on the Mari- manager merry-go-round that's a hard thing to say before we get to Arsenal uh, Benitez in for Everton um I've been reading reading about Benitez recently, so I'm reading a book called The Mixer, which is by Michael Cox. It's very good. It sort of uh, talks you through the kind of evolution of Premier League tactics, and it's been really, really enlightening. Um, Recommended. Uh, Benitez was a a kind of, he was a bit of a a victim of the Mourinho time, and he made, basically, he made Liverpool extremely hard to break down a very very tactically adept side not the most exciting team in the world but certainly a team that were very very hard to break down and I of his time he was a very kind of revolutionary coach but I think he kind of becomes someone who supposedly from his reputation and from what I understand of Benitez you know both in my understanding but also going back a bit further when I wasn't as aware of you know what was going on at Liverpool right the 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 players become like almost like chess pieces in his tactical game. So he's a very, very tactical manager. Now Mm -hmm. I think Everton, from what I understand, I asked uh, a guy, uh, a friend of ours um, about what he thought of this appointment. He's a Liverpool fan. And he said, obviously, you know, you know, he can sort of guess at what, what, what it would be like, but he says that basically within Everton, this, this won't be accepted. And you, you see it a lot. Like you see the, um, the like the replies to the sort of the 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 social media and stuff, and obviously that's that's a kind of a bit of a cross section of Everton fans. But in terms of Everton fans in in the stadium in the city, I don't think he'll be accepted, and I don't also don't no. think Benitez will endear himself to the players because of his kind of because of his methods. I don't think he's a particularly brilliant man manager. I think he's tactically really really adept and solid, and and certainly can can get a team going, but. I just don't think he's the right manager for Everton, and having sort of looked at my looked at Everton this week and kind of you know heard various stories and various you know what looking at why people like the sound of Benitez or don't like the sound of Benitez, I think it's it's it on the surface it's oh Everton have got Benitez that's a good signing, but I don't think it's a, a right fit culturally because I think Ben I think Everton is a really. um I think people outside of Everton don't necessarily realise, and I didn't realise, how much of a family club and how much of a kind of Everton yeah. values matter to Everton yeah, fans. Yeah, oh my
1: God, massively. Um, but I think it, it's also, it, this is almost a carbon copy of, of Nuno. This isn't a manager to take you forward. No, like, you know, Everton have been a club that have spent a, a disgusting amount of money. You know, 45 million on Gilfie Sigurdsson should have somebody sent to The Hague. But... <laughs> It, they are trying to push forward and they have signed a manager that, that again is past it. You know, his glory days are gone. You know, he had his moment in fucking Istanbul in 2006 or whenever it was. No, that wouldn't have been 2006. It would have been 2005 or some around that time. 2005. Right? Because <laughs> we were in the final in 2006 and it breaks my heart. So... um <laughs> <laughs> but like it is that thing like they're, they're trying to be so forward thinking and progressive but they're then hiring a manager who yeah all right you got Newcastle playing all right good pragmatic football but you know you didn't get them above anywhere at, like what 11th maybe mm. I think that was maybe their highest under him and you go this is a club that have just spent an awful lot of money and had an awful season you know coming 10th for the objectives that they would have had is an awful season. And they've just had their manager poached by Madrid. They needed to do something exciting to kind of push forward. You know, Patrick Vieira isn't the most exciting manager, but for Crystal Palace, it feels like a possible step forward. Both Nuno and Benitez feel like steps back for Mm. those two clubs. And oh, you'll see it. You'll see it in in the results, in in the, in the way that they play football. I can't. With this, do I think that Evan will finish anywhere above tenth with this uh, with this managerial addition? No, absolutely not. Do I think Do I think Spurs could begin from depending on their summer business a massive capitulation this season and finishing ninth or tenth? Yes, I really can. Do you I want to ask yourself another question? And answer it yourself. Go for it. Uh, do I really? really need to eat some food absolutely
0: good thanks Brad Uh,
1: yeah no you asked me to do it so that that is true give it a shot (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: yes no I agree I I, I do think for Everton I think for Spurs I think it's it's less debatable for Everton I think on the face of it it might look like a good appointment but yeah I do think it's it's a step back for both which is good news for us and speaking of us
1: let's talk about us us Let's do it being Arsenal Football Club. us. Because yeah. uh, yes. we are Arsenal Football Club. Yeah. Not they, you listeners, me and Alex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> they <laughs> literally don't know who we are. Um so <laughs> sort of working through from absolute bum fluff uh kind of rumours to the more sort of solid stuff. Uh Nketiah posting the, the hourglass sand timers on his Instagram. What do you think that means, Brad? Hashtag journalism.
1: Hopefully, hopefully that he's leaving.
0: Yeah. I do find yeah. the whole like footballers putting
1: things. Do you see the thing with Gabrielle and uh, Renato Sanchez? Oh, that got me Yeah, I bet oh, it did, Brad. Mate, if we sign if we sign Renato Sanchez. Did you get a hard on? I fucking would, mate. I fucking yeah. would. Yeah. He would be imagine him and party in the midfield. I do think it's a bit
0: of a weird one, though, the way football is like, you know, like when they're going to sign a contract, they put, you know, like cryptic clues up and stuff. And you're just like, what? I think
1: it's why it will be one. I think it will be one of be one or two things just to quickly delve into the topic. It will be agents putting pressure on clubs and telling their client to do that so that it. Yeah, I don't think about that. They can they can leverage it in certain ways. You know, like with Balogun and the fact that he might have left on a pre-contract agreement, some of his tweets probably could have leveraged him into a better position to get more money, yada, 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 yada. Or it's PR by the clubs. You know, if, for example, uh, like apparently it's been rumoured. I, I know I don't know if we're going to come on to this because uh, my phone died literally as you sent me the agenda um, for this meeting today. Uh, but the ESR new contract there, um, there's rumours that the, the deal is done but it's just not signed because he's on holiday with his family. Like they've agreed the terms, they've agreed the finances. It just, the finer details need to be sorted out. Arsenal could go to Smith Rowe and say, we want you to tweet this because it'll get the fans buzzing. And it's that kind of thing as well. So it it kind of is on the both sides of the spectrum. It could be agents trying to leverage themselves into better positions or clubs just trying to build some PR and some suspense so that when they do announce it, it, it is a bigger thing and a, Almost the more impactful yeah. thing. It's it's shaking the champagne before letting the cork go. Oh, that is a great metaphor, Brad.
0: Yeah, I, did, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's that's probably a good shout. And I think it's you know maybe it all, for example, the Bamiyang, I don't think there was any real chance of him leaving. So all that kind of I don't even know like what are they called? Egg timers? No, sa- hourglasses, yeah, uh, sand, sand glasses, sand, 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 timers, sand timers, sand timers, something, hourglass, sand, sand glass timers with sand. In them, I don't think there was any real uh chance that he was actually gonna leave, but um, but what it did do was build a lot of anticipation and probably mm. like boost shirt sales when it does finally happen, oh, and probably yeah. boost you know, like and that's why clubs do big announcements of things, they you know, they make videos of Alexis Sanchez, you know, playing piano. I mean, ultimately, it's capitalism, so. There's got to be some kind of financial imperative. And I'm sure there's some evidence that basically the longer you build up to something, the more that, as you say, it's the, I couldn't put it any better myself. It's, it's shaking the champagne bottle before it happens. Um, I thought we were going to have a bit of fluffy dialogue about that. And that's actually turned into a really good point that I'm going to take forward, Brad, and repurpose for myself. Um, I'm glad. You'll hear it again in a couple of episodes. I'm like, it's just, yeah. it's just shaking the champagne <laughs> bottle. That's what it is. Okay. Okay. Oh. I, I said that. Uh, <laughs> I that. Yes. Uh, we should come on to the Smith Rowe bid. Supposedly, uh, there's been another bid from Aston Villa. We've kind of covered the, the pr side of why Aston Villa might be doing this. And I think... They're just a joke club. Like, it's not going to happen. They just need to take their money and piss off somewhere else. Well, listen, they may... I, I actually think Aston Villa probably have an interest in Smith Rowe, but they
1: know. They absolutely well, Arsenal know. Arsenal have an interest in Messi. It's not going to fucking happen, is it? Like, <laughs> Arsenal... Do you know what I mean it's well, like me saying yeah. it's like me saying I've got an interest in owning Amazon and being Jeffrey Bezos? It just doesn't fucking matter. Do you? I
0: reckon that'd be awful. Yeah, I'd Jeff probably Bezos, donate.
1: I I like I, hoarding wealth is is disgusting. I, I horrible. Uh, mm. Anyway, <laughs> I mean Brad's anti-capitalist yeah, political opinion. Yep. Ooh. Uh,
0: <laughs> Uh, what we're we saying, yeah, no, I, I like, I do think there is an interest, probably, in Smith Road to some extent, mm. right? But yeah. and you know, listen, they love a a low socked central attacking midfielder slash left winger as much as the next guy, right? But yep. and I understand that it's probably to replace Grealish and all that sort of stuff. I think there's probably some truth to it, but they know that putting a thirty million pound bid for basically what would be one of the jewels in the crown of up for us last season. They know that's not going to happen, so yeah, I I think to me it does feel it doesn't feel serious enough to to worry about. And the news of his contract, I think it's leveraging. um, It's leveraging.
1: What what Villa are trying to do is they're trying to take advantage of Arsenal's current situation and standing, which isn't particularly good. And they're trying to crowbar their way above us or level to us by saying, "Oh, we can challenge for your players," which isn't true. We gave them Emi Martinez because we decided to move forward with Leno. Whether that's the right decision or not, if Arsenal wanted to keep Emi Martinez and didn't want to keep Leno, Martinez would be an Arsenal player. Villa have no pull. They might have had pull 45 years ago, but your own homeboy and captain is going to leave your club this summer. Whether you're getting £100 million from him or not, like, that is that is a fact of a matter the boy grew up and is a lifelong Villa fan and is going to leave this summer because he wants to go and do something and wants to go and win something like that's just Buendia will treat you as a stepping stone. If city United, even if say, for example, in two years time, even if Arsenal came in for him in two years time, we have, better financial capabilities to pay him more we're more likely to get European football purely because of our stature and our ability to pay players more so we can get better players just by paying them more like they are trying this is the this is my issue with the Premier League is it's because it's set pretty much six or seven clubs up this way but It is going to be hard. And I don't think it's going to happen for a long, long time for any club to leverage somebody out of that top six. And the only club that's probably going to be leveraged out is Tottenham because they're in a billion pounds worth of debt. And they're about to lose their, their best player, probably, in Harry Kane. I don't think it'll happen because it's too much money. But they're leveraging the wrong people because Arsenal aren't going to sell. And all it does is it's making them look a bit like clowns, to me anyway. I'm just going to... It's like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like when Jake Paul starts challenging fucking conor mcgregor you're like what are you doing it's just like, like that it's it's yeah. uncannily like, like pe- yeah all like when what was it what was it um tyson fury's brother who was on and it was on like love island or something is challenging jake paul to a boxing match and i'm like this is this is embarrassing so what posturing. are we doing here lads yeah it's all, posturing. it's all just like look at me i'm a i'm a big boy yeah I, th- I
0: think I think Smith Rowe will sign his new contract soon. Um, I just and always I, th- I think you're right. There's probably some degree of of agent talk, of some degree of the club, you know, the club's posturing and all that sort of stuff. I, I, I'm not. I think the Smith Rowe. I'm I'm the most relaxed about Smith Rowe signing a new contract that I have been out of like Saka, Aubameyang. Martinelli, Balogun, mm. like I, I'm the most relaxed, 100%. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think that'll happen soon. Uh, so three deals that look pretty likely to happen or certainly there's some real concrete uh, interest uh, starting from sort of maybe the least concrete at the moment, Ramsdale. Uh, it's still, <laughs> <laughs> it's still- I'm just uh, going to turn the light on because yeah. it's not dark. Still rumbling on. He's he's gone. He's he heard the name and just left. Uh, it's still rumbling on as a as a kind of saga. Uh, we've had a look uh, during the week and we've had a chat. And we about you know in terms of what he's like and his numbers and you know obviously I think he's he's one of the longest... It's long- difficult to profile a
1: player statistically that plays in such a different system, but yeah. quality wise, he's not. Yeah, he's not an upgrade on Leno. He's not. So why are we? That's, that's, I think that's the difficult, that's the difficult part of the conversation is like, I can understand the logic of signing Ramsdale if he's willing to play second fiddle to Anana when Anana can can play and if we sign Anana as well. But for me, it personally makes no sense to sign Ramsdale who hasn't shown anything of note, really. Like there's been no, oh my god! Look at this! Like, like for example, Sam Johnston, who's just been relegated, right? You, you, people could point to, oh my god, look at that kick out for the goal against Chelsea and the five three or whatever, and you can go, that is a piece of brilliance of like he's done well, he's put it on a plate. There isn't something that I remember from the last season of people going, oh my god, look at how good Aaron Ramsdale is. So, and I think that, I do have, although that's nose. okay. What one? What, what there, moment? Well, I
0: mentioned it before on the podcast. Uh, there was a moment in uh, the Sheffield game away at theirs. I, I, I think there's two sides to this Ramsdale thing. And the Arsenal Vision podcast did, sort of had two people on either side. It was Clive and uh, Elliot. Clive make, making the point, and I'm just placing them out there, not necessarily giving my opinion just yet. Clive making the point that essentially, you know, he's been player of the season at Sheffield the last, last season. He was player of the season at Bournemouth the year before, and he was player of the season at Wimbledon the, the year before that. If you ask fans, they often have uh, or it's it's a good barometer to know that the fans have been voting for their player of the season and he has won it every every single year. Now, I understand there'll be someone at Walsall who is the player of the season yeah. every s- single year. So I understand. Burton that. Albin, like- sure. But it's but it's a it's if we're looking for positives on this side of the argument. It makes sense. He's an under twenty. Yeah. He's an under twenty-one England international. He's still young, twenty-three years old. Probably got ten years of his, of his uh, career left. He is Premier League experience. He's had two years in the Premier League, maybe even three. Um, he uh, uh, he uh, yeah. Th- th- I think there is a certain amount of, and I, and I also think his distribution is pretty good. Uh, he's a good size. Um, I think he, you know, he'd be homegrown. There's, there's a quite a lot on the positive side, but Elliot basically made the point, which I kind of sit sit towards. Is firstly the fee is astronomical, and that for me is yeah. it's just is the first is the first thing to go. No, and secondly, we we can only guess at the moment whether he'd be good at playing out from the back because sure we can sit here and go like oh well you know at some point you know you know yes, they play in different styles and that explains why ramsdale kicks long and that's why we haven't seen him do much great distribution we don't know so we why would we spend 25 30 million on a, essentially what would be a gamble when there is someone like Anana available for such a, a low price the problem who on that does side does exactly what we need yeah and we and, and who we know can do that that's that's the that's the yeah. difficulty the only caveat i'd put to that point is that Obviously, Ananda can't play until November. I think it is, and that complicates things. I think the Ramsdale deal all depends on uh, what happens with us, kind of goalkeeper wise. But the point I'm trying to make is, I think there is definitely an argument for signing Ramsdale. I think there is an, in the same way that there is an argument for signing Ben White. But I think there's a, but there's a, there's an argument for signing any player. Yeah, but but there is a, but but yeah, but essentially that was the point. In that the, doesn't mean it's a good one. No, but, but I suppose I, I see a lot of kind of like, oh my God, what the fuck are we doing? And I don't think it's that bad a deal, is what I'm
1: saying. Say. It is pretty, no, but as in, it's, but that's, you, what you're saying is it, it isn't a bad deal by caveatting it with certain things. It is a bad deal because you're talking about it for like the price that it is. The price isn't changing. That's what it's looking like it is. So we can't like, if we have to look, it's like with Ben White. We have to look at all aspects of the deal and go, is he a good player? Is it value for money? Does it take us forward? I think they're the most like three important things. Ramsdale is not good, good value for money. He's been relegated twice and we're looking at giving them exactly pretty much what they paid for him, even though they've just been relegated. Does he take us forward? Not particularly right now. Could he in a few years? Yes, but are we willing to wait? And is he good enough right now? I'd say no, you know, from the very little I've seen of him, he's not an upgrade on what we've got, so why spend that money? And then, again, you have to look elsewhere and go, £7 million for an Arna makes so much more sense, keep hold of Leno for another season, and then, you know, sell him with a year left on his contract come the end come the end and that is a, a that is the smarter move because the one thing that we do have with Leno is what 18 months now of experience of teaching him how to play out from the back whether he's good at it or not it's neither here nor there we don't know whether Aaron Ramsdale's good at it or not so it doesn't matter
0: yep no i agree i don't want to spend too long on that because i think it's no 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. i, th- I no, think I agree, it's I it's it's one of those deals where yeah i'd sign in if he was 10 mil like why not? But Five the price, mil? the price just yeah. like the, just just turns me off massively. Um, okay, so probably second from last in terms of uh, concreteness, La Conga uh, deal appears to be progressing. Essentially, uh, by the sounds of things, there's the personal terms are agreed. Lots of people are saying the fees are agreed. A couple of people are saying that oh, it isn't agreed, yeah. but essentially the the one overriding bit of information that a lot of people are saying is that there's a, a quabble over the sell on, um, but. It's a case of Arsenal want five and and, and uh, Andelek want 15, and I think that I think
1: that deal will get done. they'll, meet, they'll probably yeah, they'll probably meet at 10, and that'll be that yeah and yeah. its a, it's, good, it's a good deal I'm, he looks very similar to party profiles, quite similar to Party. yeah would be more of a replacement for Gwennduuzi, who I think as soon as we sign La has is gone, so yeah, because there's rumors that his deal to Marseille is kind of progressing more rapidly as our deal is progressing, so yeah I think Suppose- it's, it's great from us
0: supposedly there was some conversations with Benfica about swapping um, or doing, you know, a player plus cash deal with, you know, Guendouzi and stuff, but that was sort of turned down immediately by Guendouzi. Again, all, all kind of reports. But yeah, I think are a, a really good signing, you know, someone who, if you look at you know Belgium are the number one ranked team in the world, and he was in their shortlist for the for the um, what was it the twenty six man or the thirty man squad for the Euros, and that's a really good sign. He's strong, as you say. I think he he profiles pretty similarly to Party. He's uh, and he's got so much room for potential, and these are the types of deals that we said before the summer. You know, obviously we want more starting. We want kind of additions to the first team, but someone someone like Lukonga is is it's exactly the signing. sort of stuff we should be doing.
1: I yep. love it. £15 million gambles on somebody who's highly rated. It's brilliant.
0: Yep.
1: Ah, fuck me.
0: Just, you haven't experienced that before. It just it's, it's sitting wrong. Arsenal is <laughs> allergic to it. Um, finally, we should come to the most concrete and supposedly a done deal, uh, which has basically come out of the woodwork pretty... Uh, pretty, pretty Matt esque, nowhere. Yeah, in uh, Nuno Tavares or probably Tavares uh, from uh, or Nuntavr. Some people on Nuno <laughs> uh from Benfica. <laughs> I've had a look at him. Um, again, I don't watch Benfica Is he games. But in, yes. Uh, uh, obviously, I don't watch Benfica games, but you know, in terms of his profile, the highlight reels, the highlight reels. He looks good. He's two-footed. I think he could provide cover on the right, but he's predominantly a left. Um, he's quick. He rides challenges challenge as well. He's got like, something like four assists in 11 league games. He normally plays uh, back up to Alex Grimaldo. Um, uh, I said this all on a, a TikTok. This is all coming out exactly in the same way as I said in it TikTok. It's very weird. Uh, but there's a question mark, though, on a number of things. Uh, firstly, there was a video that came out from... Uh, basically, it was him and his barber... Essentially, slagging off Alex Grimaldo, um, which isn't really a good sign. He's a young guy. It may have just been a mistake, and whatever. But also, lots of Benfica fans saying um, that essentially they they're happy he's going. They think he's rubbish. Obviously, you'd get Arsenal fans who'd say anyone's rubbish. You know that that that's, might not be representative of the of the overall feeling. And there is also another question of a of a twenty one year old because when when Arsenal said young left back I presumed they meant like 18-19 at 21 coming to a club where you've been second choice somewhere else um, you know that you're going to be behind Kieran Tierney in the pecking order and he's just signed a new deal is it a concern? Um, it it may well be a case of okay interesting
1: because for me like to have that attitude about Grimaldo who's however old and, and you know is an oneness and like an established international. Like, I don't think he's, I think it, it, hopefully it gives him a fire to want. Look, I love Kieran Tierney. Kieran Tierney is uh, probably either, probably one of the first, if not the second name on the team sheet for me when it comes to Arsenal. It's either Tierney or Saka. It's a coin toss between who I would put on first, right? Tierney is somebody who I want to be future captain of the club, but, would I love to have a left back who's not that far away from him pushing him so that if he gets injured, if, you know, fatigue sets in and we need somebody, he can play and has the mentality to want to seize that opportunity, then yeah, oh, I'd love it. And I think that as much as it's about, one, we don't know how it's gotten released on the bit vid- on the slight amounts of video that I've seen. He doesn't say anything, his barber does, and he's just like there nodding. Everyone talks shit. Everyone talks shit. We play five-a-side, and me and Shane talk shit to each other. We, we me and Shane, are the two goalies of like our five-a-side game on a Sunday, and we like, and we just te- do. You know what I mean? Everyone talks shit, and everyone throws shade, and everyone throws banter. But like, hopefully, like I'd love for him to have that kind of. Almost like, I'm want, i going to be better than you. Even if he's not, because it will at least push him to be better. Something we've levied, sorry to go on about it, but we've levied at players for so long at Arsenal is they haven't had that mentality. They haven't wanted to die to get on that pitch. I think this is a great move. I have no clue if he's a good player, but I really, from the profile, from the stats, he's not played a lot, but it looks like a decent deal for a decent fee.
0: Yeah, yeah. Overall, I'm really... I feel really comfortable with it. I think it's again similar to Lukonga, a really the the kind of deal that we should should absolutely be doing. There's some question marks, but there's always going to be question marks. I think you know with every, especially a young player coming from a different country, you know that you're never going to sign anyone without any any kind of question. And you're right, you know, of course there is the side of looking at it is it a question about his professionalism, but there's also this you know the question and it's also just based on one video frankly but you know there's things about benfica's fans but on the flip side of that is it that you know that the kind of the, the edge that that player has as you say can push can push Ooh. us forward and be you know some a, some,
1: some arsenal fans say gunduz's shit when he's not well you know, but but, like, oh, but also we're losing no one he's shit but like you are like he's not like it doesn't mean it's factually true that he's a shit player it could just be that the personal opinion of the fans is they don't like him anymore
0: yeah and um, gunduz is a good comparison because again he's someone with a bit of you know it's difficult to say, you know, attitude problem, but, you know, has had incidents that have happened or certainly there's a there's a split decision and there seems a bit of a, you know, a kind of a fiery character, but managed well. And also, you know, Arteta is signing him. So I think there's going to be a lot more of a, a kind of uh, perhaps more understanding side, especially as he adapts to a new country. If he is someone like that, who is a bit more fiery, I think Arteta will like that. I think he'll like... I think um, it's
1: also very different because Gwen Doozy went from playing 50 games in a season to five. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. when Doozy went from being like one of the first names on the team sheet for Emery to being a rotational option for Arteta and I think that's where a lot of the friction probably comes from. We're not going to have that issue with Tavares.
0: Yeah. Uh, when slash if he does sign I'm working on uh, getting some Benfica experts on to have to chat through uh, Nuno Tavares. That'd be great. Uh, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm excited about it. I think it could be a good signing. Positive about it, yeah. We shall see. All right, Brad. We've not just right, got mate. time. For Arsenal trivia. Last time out, I asked you, uh, Mavropanos last went on loan to Germany during the 2019-20 season, making 12 appearances with which club on loan from Janu- oh God, in January 2020?
1: I think I know this.
0: Go on, Brad. Oh, God. Go on. Is, it, is it Nuremberg? It was Nuremberg. That's two in a row, well, Brad. Sh-
1: the knowledge
0: two in fantastic. a row love that uh, arsenal were the first english team to name a full match day squad including substitutes of foreign players when they beat crystal palace 5-1 on february 14th valentine's day what year arsenal were also the uh, arsenal were the first english team to name a full match day squad including substitutes of foreign players when they beat crystal palace 5-1 on february 14th valentine's day in what year any guesses, Brad? <sighs> two thousand and two. You'll find out next episode. Oh, I love that we planned to record for forty-five minutes, and it's it's gone an, an, hour. an hour. Yeah,
1: yeah. But well, shit happens. We'll get better at that.
0: You just you just chat, don't you? We just love football so much. That's the problem. It's yeah. so it's
1: so good, isn't it?
0: Honestly, darling. Uh, Honestly, pleasure as always, Brad.
1: Always, my friend
0: always uh, thank you so much for listening keep it different knock check out our TikTok uh, we've got some content planned soon with uh, various Arsenal podcasts and stuff we're going to try and get some more people on the podcast we haven't heard that for a while Absolutely. Uh, yeah. and we will uh, keep upping the levels me and Brad will keep you know watching football trying to understand it trying to get into it maybe one day Brad one day they will announce us as the co-technical directors of Arsenal Football Club which is the actual goal, which is the goal is of the this goal. podcast. That's the real goal. That's yeah. the real goal. <laughs> Imagine. Quite seriously, though, if, so, if, if they announce Clive Palmer from the Arsenal Vision podcast as Arsenal technical director, I wouldn't be upset.
1: No, I'd be I'd, so fucking down I'd be
0: buzzing. That. He's so yeah. smart. He's so smart. He's a fucking genius, mate. Uh, but he's not as funny as our podcast day Brad that's what we've no, got going no he's not we've got the gags <laughs> we've got the gags <laughs> shit as they are alright <laughs> fuck um, you now thanks for listening keep a different knock and we'll see you later see you later guys bye bye thank you so much for listening to the different knock podcast please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using if you'd like to support the show you can find us on patreon and buymeacoffee.com find us on twitter at diff and visit our website thedifferentknock.com thanks